You're listening to South Bend Beat, produced by Alpha Dog Podcast. This week on South Bend Beat, we have Kim Becker of Hello Gorgeous. Kim is awesome, entrepreneur, runs a nonprofit now. So much good advice in this episode. She knew everybody on the way in and on the way out of the studio. Just a great time. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Martin Supermarkets. Try their groceries to go. First couple times are free. And also the side door deli. It's getting dark early. You don't want to cook. Go to Martin's and get it taken care of. Uh, So enjoy this episode with Kim Becker. Kim, how are we doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, we're here in Stockroom East. We're at the Alpha Dog Podcast Studio. It, it I think you knew 100% of the people <laughs> that were out there on our way in. I did know. I think that's I a pretty like, common occurrence. <laughs> I had to like, oh, for me? Yes. Yeah. But I yeah. had to stop socializing so we could <laughs> get to work. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, the way we first met, we were both on a... Um, like a judging panel, I yes. guess you want to uh, call it, uh, for entrepreneurship class over at the, that was, that wasn't at the Idea Center, I don't think. That was at, um, what Rise they call up. it, Rise Up, like out yeah. on the, uh, uh, near downtown. Yes. And it was kind of a Shark Tank scenario where they come pitch an idea and that was but a lot of fun. high school kids. High school kids. Which was amazing. These kids are, and, and like Iris has been on this show, Matthew's been on the show, Leslie's been on the show. These kids are so smart. Yes. Like it. It floors me every time I go there. I know. Like, me too. And that's what was so incredible because to me, as I watched him, I'm like, that's our youth. And I don't know about you, but I think of me, what could I have done? I mean, I, I think I've done okay, but what could I have done had I had that encouragement? Yeah. What could I have done had I had a program like that when I was in high school just to be able to set me up for success the way those kids are set up for success? It's incredible. And I can be completely honest with you. If, if, we had that program when I was in high school. Don't think I'm getting accepted into it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have been on the outside left looking yeah, I in. May, I may have been too. I'm not sure. But, it, um, but it, I'm blown away every time I go over there. Me the, too. The ideas were so good. Me too. And, and that was a good time. That was, that was a good time. And we got to talking uh, about Hello Gorgeous, which we'll dive into more. And um, someone from my family, Diana, had gone through Hello yes. Gorgeous, one that I know sticks out in your memory. Yes, it does. Um, <laughs> yes, it but does. it was, um, so Roberto Parisi was involved in his son, Tony, and uh, I think we lost her. It's been maybe five, six, seven years now. Yes. Um, but that that's certainly one that sticks out in your mind. And, and her photo's in our office. You it visited is. Yeah, our so office. I, I walked in and it's right there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, there she is. Yeah. Um, so let, let's get into a little bit of Hello Gorgeous before we get into like the background and how it started. Um, give us the elevator pitch on what Hello Gorgeous, the mission and what you do. Okay. So we, what we like to say is that we restore the beauty that cancer steals. Um, I think so many times people don't understand what it is that, especially for a woman, what, what happens when you receive that cancer diagnosis. And so um, it's really all about 
giving a woman back all the things that cancer takes away from her. And so we empower her. And I really want to make sure that every woman diagnosed with cancer can smile when she looks in the mirror. And that, I mean, an awesome mission. And it's been, how many years have you been? 15. 15. So I, I'm very curious as to, so you, you very much have the entrepreneur mindset. Um, you're very much a go-getter. Um, how you did think? this, how did this, yeah, <laughs> how did this come about? Um, there had to be obviously a seedling of idea and then it grew and grew and grew. Like how did Hello Gorgeous go from whatever the original idea was to what it is now helping women all across the world? So we, um, my dream, I was a hairdresser mm -hmm. and my dream was always to open a salon. And when we started talking about it, I was talking about it with my late husband. He said to me, I have the perfect name for the salon. We should call it Hello Gorgeous. And I said, that's the stupidest name I've ever heard. We're not calling it Hello Gorgeous. He said, no, no, it'd be really great. Because every time you answer the phone, you get to say, hello, gorgeous. And it'll make people smile. And I'm like, yeah, it's stupid. We're not doing it. <laughs> and so we opened a salon. We called it Chavu, which meant here in French. And I loved being a salon owner. I loved the three o'clock buzz in the afternoon when everything would get going. But I also found that it seemed like there was something that was missing. And I didn't know what it was, but it just, there was just something that was missing. So I thought it was a salon. So every year around Christmas time, what we would do is we would remodel the salon. We'd we removed hair stations. We had a manicure area. We put in an aesthetics area. We had tanning beds. We pulled all those out. Finally, we ended up just with seven hair stations. It still wasn't filling that emptiness I was feeling. So I looked at Mike and I said, you know what? Maybe we need to move. So we did. So we went from 1,000 square feet to 3,000 square feet. By the time it was at it, its full tilt boogie, we had 17 stylists and a massage therapist and receptionists, and it was awesome. But it still didn't fill that emptiness I was feeling. So I thought, well, maybe I need to work on me. So I started training at all these places, Hair Color USA in Miami. And my big dream was to go to Vidal Sassoon in London and train. And I did that. And then um, I would just come back to Mike and I would just say, this isn't working. It's just there's still something that's missing. So we were on a car ride back from Indianapolis, about Indy's about three hours south from where we live. And we were having this conversation. I know there's something more we should be doing. I know there's something more. I just don't know what it is. And all of a sudden it fell on my heart. And I said, I, I got it. I know what we need to do. I said, we need to have a mobile day spa that caters to cancer patients. We need to have this beautiful, elegant palace on wheels that'll show up just a few feet from a woman's home that's battling cancer and treat her like a queen for a day during a time where she doesn't feel very special. Now, if anybody listening has ever started a business, you know people have this misconceived notion about what it's like to be a business owner. They think that you make $5,000 in a day and you take that wad of cash and put it in your pocket and you live this very luxurious lifestyle. Can't be further from the truth. Just about the time we'd get a little money, set back the water heater would go out or the furnace would stop working. So he's willing to do anything he can to get us out of the salon until I looked at him and said, we're going to do this for free. And I watched all the color run out of his face. And he said, how are we going to do this? And I said, I don't know. I just know this is what we're supposed to do. So him being the good husband that he was, he stopped at a Books A Million and bought me every book he could find on free money for women and grant writing for dummies and grant writing for women. He comes out of the bookstore and gets back in the car. And I'm talking a mile a minute. And I, wa I watched his ears slam shut. But I didn't <laughs> care because he can't escape. I love talking to him in the car because there was no place for him to go. So I kept just revealing, you know, what was what I was feeling and what was on my heart. And he just, he didn't want anything to do with it. We got about 30 minutes from home and our son was three years old at the time. And he, was, he had just woken up from a nap. So I said, you know, let's let 
Seth out, let him stretch his legs. And of course, Mike was willing to get out of the, he wanted to get out of the car. Now, 10 years had lapsed from the time we opened the salon to this particular moment. And as we're walking into this play area, I grabbed a hold of Mike's arm and I said, you know what, Mike, this is supposed to be called Hello Gorgeous. I said, the salon was never meant to be called Hello Gorgeous. This is supposed to be called Hello Gorgeous because that's how these women deserve to be greeted. And so for about six months, he wouldn't talk to me about it at all. Every time I bring the subject up, he'd change it. And then he had a change of heart and it became our life's mission. And people don't understand, um, he passed away four and a half years ago. And people don't understand that as sick as he was, he would be in a hospital bed and he'd always answer his phone. Hello, gorgeous, this is Mike, how can I help you? And it truly is now his legacy. Um, you know, I, um, when he passed away, I designed his headstone and I actually put the Hello Gorgeous logo on his headstone because whenever somebody sees it, they smile. And I thought, you know, I wanted that to be someplace where people don't normally smile, but it, that's what he wanted. He wanted to make sure that people would smile. So that's what I did. And I, I want to get a little bit more into the early days. Yeah. It had to be, I, I know you probably played it cool and like it was fine, but it had to be pretty nerve wracking. Oh my gosh. Because I mean, this is, I mean, you're obviously dealing with women in a very delicate part of time of their life. Um, and the fa same with the family members. And I know you're usually coordinating with family members. There's a lot of pressure on it to go well. It is. How did it go those first few times? You know, so we started doing it differently. You know, so I'm a big one for modeling, right? I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I just need to find somebody who's already doing what I want to do and talk to them. So we had the opportunity to talk to Millard Fuller, who started Habitat for Humanity. We had about a 45-minute phone conversation. Most valuable thing I ever had. And I remember talking to him and telling him about this big dream and this elegant palace on wheels that I wanted to, you know, to have. And I remember saying to him, you know, how much money do I need to have in the bank before I get this started? You know, knowing that the vehicle's going to cost me, you know, X amount of dollars, how much money? And he looked at me, he didn't look to me, but he said to me over the phone, he said, you know what, Kim, you'd be really silly to start without a dollar. He said, you just need to start. These women don't care. They don't care if you take care of them in an alley over a trash can. They just need to be taken care of. So that's what we did. So in the early days, we actually did them in the salon. We didn't do them in the bus. Mm -hmm. So it was a salon that I owned that I sold. Every Friday was a Hello Gorgeous Day. So we brought her in. She walked into the salon. We surprised her, did a full makeover on her. And back then, that's all we did. We did the makeover. We didn't do the reveal. We didn't do any of those kind of things. And so, you know, it was very frustrating in the beginning when your heart is someplace that you really want to be. I wanted to be serving those women all the time, but it wasn't time for me to leave the salon. For probably nine years, I worked both jobs. I'd be four days a week, 10, hour, 10 days a month maybe. So maybe it was less than... Um, four days a week, but about 10, 11 days a month, I was at the salon. And the days that I wasn't at the salon, I was doing all the things I needed to do for Hello Gorgeous. And so I didn't understand it then. But as things went forward, and we got the bus, and we knew that there was no way that we could do all of the women that needed to be taken care of, we couldn't do those, all those makeovers, we developed a salon affiliate program. And so it's, you know, I realized that I wasn't taught what I needed to learn or what I needed to know to take care of a woman battling cancer while, you know, while she was in my salon. And so we would have these women that would come into the salon and we would offer them a pedicure, manicure, and they would decline. No, no, I can't do that. My doctor said, I can't have a pedicure, manicure. Well, why? I don't know. That's just what he told me. 
I said, okay. So I'd go back to the doctors and the nurses and said, why are you telling her that she can't have this? This is when she needs to be pampered. This is when she needs to have these services. And it was too much of a risk for infection because of her compromised immune system. So I went in and I developed a program then on how to take care of a woman battling cancer in your salon because I knew that I wasn't the only one that had gone to beauty school that didn't know how to do these things. So what doing the makeovers in the salon taught me was how to create a program that I could present to other salon owners because I knew what it was like. We had already done them in the salons. And so I wanted to make sure that it was concise and that it was easy, that if somebody came and presented this to me as a salon owner, would I have taken it on? And so because I had already done that, when we went out and we branched out across the United States in these other salons, it was really easy to do because we had done it time and time again for ourselves and for the women that we had the opportunity to serve. So let's talk about the process. If, if someone has a loved one, um, their loved one, whether it be sister, mother, grandmother, daughter, battling cancer, and they think this would be a great fit, what does that process look like from beginning to end? So first of all, your eligibility, you're eligible for our program from the day you're diagnosed to about six months post-treatment. So six months after your last radiation, six months after your last chemotherapy. When you get too far past that, normalcy set in, you really don't need us that much anymore. So you go to our website, which is hellogorgeous.org, and you actually nominate your loved one. So it has to be kept a surprise. What we found through this is that women are selfless. Mm -hmm. And so if I say... I'm going to take you for a pedicure and manicure. They will brush it off and say, you know what? Take my mom for a pedicure and manicure because she's had to watch me go through this. Take my daughter because my daughter's taken me to every chemotherapy session. So it has to be a surprise. She cannot know what's going on. So we have to work in tandem with the loved one. We have to make sure that they can execute getting her where I need her to be. And then what we discovered, you know, it was really interesting. In one of the visits that we did at the salon, there was a woman that came in. We did her makeover and then it was all done. And we sent her home to her ex-husband and her 10-year-old son. And I remember going home to Mike and saying, there's got to be more. It can't just end here. There has to be more. And that's when we started getting the outfit and the whole reveal party. Because what we found is that people don't know what to say, so they say nothing and stay away. Part of it is because they're fearful of what she's going to look like. Are they going to say the wrong things? And so that's what she needs, though. She needs those women around her. She needs all of her friends to support her. So we need those people to work with us so that we can make sure that there's a big group of individuals that are there to surprise her, to support her, so that I can ride off in the sunset and that I can keep doing what I do. So once she's nominated, we work with the nominator to make sure we get all those pieces in place, get clothing sizes, you know, set up a time and a place for the reveal. The day of the makeover, she shows up. We roll out a red carpet, surprise her with a great big Hello Gorgeous, present her with candy and flowers, and then she's treated to a full day of beauty. Manicure, pedicure, facial. She needs a wig, we provide one. If she's ready for cut and color because she's far enough along in her treatment, we do that. We do her makeup and we give her um, a new outfit and then we take her to the reveal party afterwards. Now, everything that's used on her that day is given to her. So what I realized is it doesn't do any good to make her up like that and then not give her the tools or empower her with the tools she needs to reproduce the look. So everything that's used on her that day is given to her. All the makeup, all the skincare, all the nail polish, everything. So that the next morning, all the clothes, everything. Yes. So the next morning when she wakes up, she has everything she needs to reproduce the look the day from the day before. That's... That, that sounds a like a lot. It, it sounds like a lot goes into it. it does. Um, but that that's just so awesome. And I can't imagine how 
fulfilling it is as it's going on and toward the end, um, especially when you see them enjoying themselves. And I know it's uh, it's a nice ray of sunshine. It is. Know, that they get to go through during this time. Do you have any stories from any favorites that stick out? Um, you know, there was a couple. Um so uh, one of my favorite ones, we did a tour. So we, we acquired a mobile day spa, received a lot of support from our local community, but we needed to know what the rest of the world thought, so to speak. So we worked with Simon Properties and went on a six-week tour. And we were doing makeovers on women with cancer in these different communities. They were all surprises, and we did them in the mobile day spa. And so um, there was one in particular, we were in Muncie, Indiana, and um, we kidnapped this woman in a bath and body <laughs> work. She had no idea what was going on. And um, I'll never forget, you know, she just, she had a, they, you know, they struggle. These women struggle financially because of co-pays and treatments and different things. And so I remember the, the shoes she had on were a 99 cent pair of flip-flops that she had gotten from um, Old Navy. And the wig that she liked, that she had on, she didn't particularly like. Um, and, but it was what she could afford. And so we took her in and we worked with the marketing director at the mall. And so every 20 minutes, somebody was coming in and bringing her another gift. And so it truly made her feel like a queen for a day. I, I, I always say, you know, we're so lucky. This is, this is a calling for me. This isn't anything I would have ever come up with by myself. This is certainly something that God asked me to do. And I said, okay. And it's, it's, he always orchestrates it where it's always the right wig. It's always the right outfit. It's always the right everything. And so I had three or four wigs up in the cabinet in the bus. And the first one I pulled down, I put her on her. It was absolutely perfect. Got her a new outfit from Reese's, took her to a reveal. And I'll never forget, she walked in and everybody said, hello, gorgeous. And the first thing she did was, look at my butt in these jeans. <laughs> <laughs> She felt so good about what we had done. I mean, it's just incredible. You know, the way that I, I, I say, you know, it's like there's a light on the inside of them and it's just dimmed a little bit. And then we flip the switch and, and all of a sudden it's like she comes alive. So there was another story of a, um, a young woman. We worked with Notre Dame women's basketball mm -hmm. and um, did a makeover during one of their pink zone games. So we kidnapped a young woman out of the audience before the game started took her into the women's volleyball locker room, did a makeover in 90 minutes, which is just like she had two people working on her hands and two people working on her feet and somebody showing her clothes. I mean, it was incredible. Two minutes left in the game. We go out. We Now, we have a film crew with us at this point in time. We we go out to do the reveal in front of 10,000 people. It was an absolutely sold-out house. She had a dress on and boots. We got her a wig and she had this hat on and she looked absolutely adorable. So she gets in the middle of the court, you know, everybody, everybody, 10,000 voices yelling, hello, gorgeous. You know, she gets in the middle of the court, stands her smiles, literally does this Mary Tyler Moore thing, takes her hat off and spins around. <laughs> and we get off the court and the director that we were working with at the time goes, that was awesome. What made you think to do that? She goes, well, there were people behind that didn't see me. <laughs> And so, you know, the whole thing is, is to make these women feel so extra special. It's certainly not something that you would expect to experience while you're going through cancer. Now, do you have off the top of your head, any numbers at how many makeovers have you done? How many states have you been in? Or like, 
can you even say from this state to this state, or we've done this many, like how many do you shoot for a year? Do you have any kind of numbers on like a scope of how many women that you've done makeovers for? You know, we were really bad at record keeping in the beginning because we didn't know what we were doing. And so, you know, I know it's been hundreds and hundreds of women. So hundreds um, of women. Hundreds of women. Wow. And it, we, at, at the height of our glory with the affiliate program, we had 33 affiliates in 15 different states. Wow. And so, and there were probably a few more, you know, that we had taken the bus to and stuff, but I would say that that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the number. That, that's fantastic. And Hello Gorgeous, I mean, obviously you're known for the makeovers, you know, kind of the, the kidnap makeover, get it all done, but you also have other resources. So, I mean, you're just a good resource for um, like recently diagnosed, you have a lot of good information. Like what, what else is under the Hello Gorgeous scope um, where you help these women? So, so the biggest thing is, um, you know, we were doing the salon affiliate, you know, doing the makeovers. And then like everybody else, COVID affected us like it did the rest of the world. And so we're really not up to speed because of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, trying to take into account a woman with a compromised immune system. Obviously, it impacted our salons so that they really need to focus on themselves to get their business back up. So, um, and it's funny because had it not been for COVID, I would have never agreed to this, you know. Um, you've met me. I'm a hugger. I always, you know, and so that's what I want, right? I want, I want this woman to be embraced. I want her to be loved. And so I'm very much in person. I'm a lot about energy and that kind of thing. But when you can't do that, and as I've said, right in the middle of the pandemic, cancer didn't stop. Women were still being diagnosed with cancer. It's just cancer took a back seat and COVID took the front seat. But there were very much, you know, there was still a lot of women that were hearing the word you have cancer. So we worked with a group out of Notre Dame through the Mendoza School of Business that planted a seed and we ran with it. And that is that we now do virtual makeovers. So we've got, it's a box basically that's sent to you. And then there's a video that, that you can, um, that comes with it. And basically we show you how to use all the things in the box step-by-step, step, how to draw your eyebrows on, how to counteract the effects of your, um, the steroids, how to make your, you know, your face look thinner, how to take care of your wig, how to take care of your nails, all those things. And, and what we did was we actually asked women that participated in the full in-person makeover to participate in a virtual makeover because they could compare it. And I wanted to know, I wanted to make sure that I was having just as positive an impact on the women that I wasn't touching and hugging as the women that I did get the chance to touch and hug. And it was really interesting. What they said was, they love the virtual makeover and it felt more empowering because of the fact that they were doing it to themselves as opposed to sitting in somebody else's chair and them applying the makeup or doing their eyebrows for them. As they watched the video and they were able to do it themselves, they felt more empowered and more confident that they could reproduce it the next day. And there again, they got, I mean, some of that product would last them three to four months. And so they had enough to be able to, to get them through. And if a woman needs a wig, we send a wig along with it. So, you know, that's just one thing we've got the virtual makeovers. We have a whole page of free resources. Um, we have an online course. Um, we are working on an online membership just to really be able to build a community of women who can say, I know what you're going through. And when this happened to me, this helped me so that we can just create that support. There are some women that don't have any of that support. Um, and we've written two books. And so we've got all kinds of resources that are out there just to be able to, to help women on any level, whatever. I want to meet them where they are. And yeah. wherever they're at, I want to be able to have the resource for them to be able to help them through this. And I think that support is plays such a massive role. And obviously the internet allows for that. Um, something like even 
me personally on a level about 1 million times lower stakes, but you know, I have a diabetic dog yes. and when he was diagnosed with diabetes, it was like, I, I was like, I have no idea what's going on. And he found, I found a few like online forums where people were like, I have a diabetic dog. Here's what to look out for. And like, most importantly, it's going to be, it's going to be okay. And it, you can't even like put into context how helpful that is, let alone something far more serious than that. And to have a community of other women, of other family members, even if you weren't the one diagnosed with cancer, I assume family members, loved ones, caretakers, it helps them as well um, to basically get all of this access and information. Well, because you know, what I'm finding is people don't know what to do, right? They feel helpless. So that's why the in-person makeovers were great because we empowered the loved ones then too so that they could come and they could be a part of something when they didn't know what to do. You know, I, I think that that's it. You don't know. I think, like I said, people don't know what to say. But I also think that, you know, as far as what we do, I didn't realize the, the far-reaching impact that we would have and the ripple effect, right? At the beginning of the, the podcast, I said, my goal is to make sure she smiles when she looks in the mirror. And if she's smiling, then her husband's smiling because he knows she's not hurting. And you know the old saying, right? If mom ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> so if she's smiling, then the kids are happier, right? If she's smiling, she can go to work and be productive and be confident. And, and all they want, I feel like these women, they just want to be normal. I always say, I'm not, I'm not going to promise that you look like Miss America when I get done with you. But I do promise that you can go to a restaurant and the waitress will treat you badly because she's got no pity on you because you look normal. And so that's what I want for these women is I just want them to give a sense of their old self or a taste of what the new normal will be like and that there's hope, right? That's what we're giving them is we're giving them hope, hope that there's a brighter future and hope that they've got the tools that they need to get through this, however long that their battle lasts. And I assume with the going virtual, you were able to um, expand your outreach and how quickly and how many women just like in a raw form that you could bring on. Whereas before... I mean, you get to the point where you could start going through dozens and dozens of submissions. And now that it's virtual and it's send a box, you're probably able to impact a lot more women a lot more quickly. Yes. And, and again, so this just added another layer of support that we will offer. Uh, the virtual makeovers will never go away. My, my goal is to put... Still doing in person. Though. Absolutely. Yes. So my goal is to put two affiliate salons in every city of the United States. Wow. Now there's 19,355 cities in the United States. In case anybody wondered. And so that's like 40,000 affiliate salons. And so, you know, on an average, you know, obviously New York, California, Chicago, you may have more because there's the burbs and stuff that some are around there. Some cities are barely cities. And yeah. some, like Culver, Indiana, there's only room for one. And yeah. we had one affiliate there for a long time. And so I would like to go back to that. But, you know, there's still women that maybe wouldn't want the in-person makeover. You know, we're finding that there are some women that are very private about it. But if we happen to have a, a submission for an, a nomination for a woman that we don't have an affiliate in, now we would be able to offer them the opportunity to take part in the virtual makeover. So I'm still able to help her in some way, even if I can't do the in-person makeovers. So what does a typical day look like for you right now? Oh, crazy. <laughs> Run us through it. What's, what's, um, maybe a couple different days, because I'm sure every day's Every day's a little different, yeah. yep. So normally I'm up at 4.45. Hold on. We're stopping there. 4.45. Yep, to get to the gym by 5 or 5.15. What time do you go to bed? Um, probably 10, 30, 11 o'clock. 4.45. What's it like at 4.45? It's dark now. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's really quiet. You know, uh, so, so years ago... Um, 
I, I remember my mom used to sell for home interiors and gifts. And the woman that sold that and Mary Kay from Mary Kay Cosmetics were like sister-in-laws. And I remember, you know, watching biographies about Mary Kay and she really wanted to empower women that stayed at home. And these women were like, you know, I have to make dinner for my husband and I got to take care of the kids and I don't know how I'm going to do all of this. And Mary Kay would tell them, you need to become a member of the five o'clock club, five o'clock in the morning because the phone's not ringing and the kids aren't awake and the husband isn't there. You're su I'm surprised at how much I can get done. You know, if I were to start work at five o'clock in the morning, how much I could get done even from five to six without having all of those interruptions. So it really is to start my day that early, that sets me up for success. Huh? You know, it's like anything else, right? I, if my cup is empty, I can't fill anybody else's cup. So to get up at 4.45, to get to the gym, to get home, I strive to be to the office between 8.30 and quarter to nine. And then it's just, I, I, I had to narrow down. We worked with a, um, a, I worked with a life coach after I walked away from the salon. And um, I needed to find what they called your areas of genius, right? So it's the things that you're really, really, really good at. And so I'm unfortunately a good at a lot of things and I'm really good at squirreling. You know, it's, I'm always chasing the shiny object, whatever that is. So I had to take a step back and figure out, okay, what are the three main things that I'm really good at that I need to do? All the other stuff somebody else can do. So my main three, my three main things are my job is to cast the vision, right? God put this calling on my life. So I have to cast the vision and then I have to create community. My job is to bring these women together, to bring team members together and then content creation. I have to be the one to be able to create the content. And so my day, that's what my to-do list looks like. Three pretty big buckets. There are three pretty big buckets. <laughs> There's lots of items in each of those buckets. Yeah. But I, my to-do list, I work with the, it's called a Levenger sheet, and all of those items, but the items that I have to do, they have to fall under one of those three categories. If they don't, then I have to find somebody else, either an executive team member or, you know, my sister, Trisha, who is my right hand, she takes on. And what's really cool about that, so so what people don't know is that when Trisha, or she and her husband came on in the organization with us from day one. We, I remember sitting down. You know, people were crazy, right? I sold a very successful six-figure salon to chase this dream to take care of women with cancer that nobody had ever done before. It's like trailblazing into an area. And I said, it's a lot harder to go after a nonprofit than it is a profit business because in the salon, if I, you know, we were down a little bit, I could run a retail sale and just say, Kim's having a bad day. You know, all the retail's 20% off. Or I could raise my average ticket by putting in a few highlights or throw in a couple of haircuts at the end of the day. And so you start this thing. I can't reach into people's pockets and ask them to give me money. So, you know, people thought we were nuts selling this successful business, you know, that was running full tilt boogie, but there was something that told us we needed to do it. So we sat down with my sister and her husband. We were very close to them, still are. And I said, this is what we're going to do. And all they said was we're in. So from day one, they were a big part of what we did. When we were on the tour, they would come and meet us in the different cities. And um, when Mike died, um, Trisha has just stepped up and has just filled some really, really, really big shoes. And she's my right hand. And what really works is I work on the business and she works in the business. Mm -hmm. And so being able to find that person, you know, again, I, I had that with Mike. I figured out and it was three months before he died. I don't know why it took so long, but I said, my job is to cast the vision. His job was to make it happen. He was the executioner. He was the one that took all of those big dreams that I had and he figured out a way. I'll never forget the day we were going to a big hair show in uh, Chicago, 
at the uh, McCormick place. And I said, hey, this company wants to meet with us and they need a media kit. And he's like, okay, I'm on it. And he gets off the phone with me and goes, crap, what's a media yeah. kit? <laughs> That's where you go to Google. That's right. And so, you know, he was, you know, he would go and he would make all that happen. So, you know, when we lost him, we lost a big piece of that. But for Trisha to do what she's done and to just step into these huge shoes, she's just done an absolutely, absolutely incredible job. And so I don't know where I would be without her. But I think it's defining those rules, right? Once we realized my job is, and she has no interest in casting the vision. But what's really cool is she's the biggest cheerleader because she wants to make it all happen. And so we're really, 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 we're really blessed. What advice would you give to... Um, someone that wants to, and it, it could be either side, either someone that wants to make a difference community, it could be a nonprofit, or someone who wants to be an entrepreneur and start a business. Is there a couple pieces of actionable advice that you would give them? Yes. The first thing is, is what I said early on in this episode, and that is you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Somebody's already doing what you want to do. Just go talk to people. And and me, I do it all the time, right? Any somebody wants to come and sit down and talk to me, I'm happy to sit down and talk to you and, and tell you what I found. You know, something as simple as when we were applying, so just a quick backstory, when we were applying for our nonprofit status, Katrina had hit. Everybody and their brother was applying for a nonprofit status. And so we, when I talked to the IRS, they're like, you know, it's going to be two years before we can approve you. And I'm like, I don't have two years. We got to get this going. So I was talking with one of my clients one day at the salon and they said, you know what you need to do is contact your congressman and let him know that you've got a pending 501c3. So we did. We contacted our congressman. They appointed somebody at the state house that was a liaison to the IRS. And six months later, we got our nonprofit approved. And so... But I wouldn't have known that had I not talked to people. So that's the first thing. Number one, talk to people, but talk to somebody who's already doing what you want to do. The second thing is, no matter how crazy it sounds, if there's this constant tapping on your shoulder or there's something in your heart you need to be, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Because you know what? I may not make a lot of money at this. It's certainly not what I made at the salon, but I have the best job in the whole world. And it's the most fulfilling thing that I've ever done. And you don't have to see the full staircase. I've said it over and over again. I don't think God has revealed the entire picture to me. Because if he has, I'd freak out and I'd stop doing it. (laughs) So you don't need to see. You just have to start. You know, that was the best advice that Millard Fuller, even though it wasn't what I wanted, even though it wasn't the big dream that I had as far as the big palace on wheels, I at least started And my focus is the women. And don't ever lose sight of what's really important, right? For me, it's all about the women. It's making sure that those women are being taken care of at whatever level we need to take care of them at. And if anybody wants to see a really cool story, um, I won't share it. I'll let you go see it. But um, my dream did come true. And um, one of the local RV manufacturers kidnapped my old bus and did a complete renovation on it, stripped it all the way down, did a makeover on it, Um, we did a makeover on a woman kidnapped her off the production floor, took her to Elkhart, did a makeover. We did a reveal on her. They did a reveal on us. And then I got my palace on wheels. And so if you go to YouTube and search hello, gorgeous and Monaco coach, it's a six minute video and it's pretty outstanding. And you can, you can plug away. Which RV dealer was it? Um, so it was Monaco coach. It was right before they were getting ready to leave and, um, they made no promises and, uh, it was absolutely incredible. And, um, unfortunately the bus that they gifted us, we lost to a fire. Oh, um, but the little bus, our original bus that they made over, I still have. 
And that's the one that's most precious to me because in all the cabinet doors, so they worked on this the last three weeks that they were in business. And they said the morale in that plant had been horrible until this project came along. And it just changed the trajectory of, of the morale. And so when you open the doors, the cabinet doors inside the mobile day spa I have now, it's filled with signatures. And it's every person that worked on that bus to make that dream come to fruition. And so um, I'm glad that it, I didn't lose the, the little one, that I lost the big one. And so, um, but anyway, it's a pretty cool video. It was an amazing, amazing, amazing gift they gave to us. That's awesome. Love it. You want to get to some um, off-topic, answer-the-internet type sure, questions? Sure, Have some fun? Yeah. Um, all right, let's do, uh, how do you order your steak? Um, well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah. No matter where you're at. No matter where I'm at. My hamburger's well done. I don't, I don't like any. I'm with you like on any, the hamburgers. I don't like it. Hamburger. Oh, I don't like them pink. If it's bleeding on the plate, yeah, not so much. So if your steak comes out and is bleeding, it's going it's back. It's going back. Yep. It's going back. All right. Absolutely. Um, have you ever been stuck on an elevator? No. Do you think you'd do okay? You'd be fine? I don't, maybe for a little bit. Got past like half an hour. And if I didn't have any cell service, do I have cell service if I'm stuck in the elevator? No. Yeah. No, 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> um, let's do, would you rather be stuck in Jurassic Park or Jumanji? Oh, gosh. Um, I think, I think Jumanji because you can change the course um, of the game. Oh, so you're playing the game with Jumanji. I'm playing the game. You're in there with Robin Williams That's or The right. Rock or Kevin Hart. That's whatever. right. So I can change the course of the game. We're in Jurassic Park. Not so much. Jurassic They're going to eat me. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it is. I want, I'm, I'm a trailblazer. Okay. Let me change the course of the game. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have, so this is covered for life, chef, masseuse, chauffeur? Oh, I, I think it would be a chef. I think, I, yeah. I you know agree. why? Because I want to get this 50 pounds off. And if somebody was cooking for me, even if they sat there and spoon fed me, yeah. it might happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might happen. I always think like, too, it's like, man, I should start cooking more. And then I cook and it's like, why? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, know. I could just get, I know. I could just get stuff. I know. So I know. I'm big into efficiency. Cooking just doesn't seem that efficient. I know, I know. Yeah. When I can go and pay somebody else to do it, and I don't have the mess to clean up before or after. So, speaking of somewhere where you can go get it, um, this is going to be our sponsor question. So, our sponsor is Martin Supermarkets. Okay. And your Martin Supermarkets question is: What is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? The weirdest thing I've ever. Oh, see, that's not good because I'm a really picky eater. So nothing weird. Have you eaten like a gator? Uh. Uh-uh. Ostrich. Nope. Rocky Mountain oysters. Nope. Ugh, oysters. No. So it's not those kind of oysters. Would you try Rocky Mountain oysters if I, I sent you some? I don't think so. It's not. It has nothing to do with the sea or water. Okay, what is it then? Irrelevant. Would you try it if I <laughs> sent it to you? All right. It may be bull, bull testicles. <laughs> could be. Yeah. Could be not. I don't know. All right. All right. I'll try um, What about like you go to a fair? Will you try like a deep fried Oreo or anything like that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, of course. Fried cheese. You know. Yeah. If, I'm telling you what. If... If, if bread and cheese were fruits and vegetables, I'd be the healthiest person walking on the face Love of the cheese. earth. Love <laughs> I do too. And when it's deep fried, it's even better. So, Are you a cheese snob? Um, No, but I there are some that I like better than others. I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'll eat it all. Will you? So I'll often get, um, who was it? Uh, oh, when Iris was on. When Iris yeah, was on. She's, yeah. from, she's from Wisconsin and grew up in like oh. dairy farm. So she's very like this cheese and this cheese. And she's like, well, I certainly wouldn't have um, like a craft single. 
I was like, yeah, me neither. As I, <laughs> as I have them all the time. Right? Like, right on the unwrapping. Well, you have a craft single? Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And mac and cheese, honestly, just give me craft mac and cheese and I'm I, happy. You know what? So, so. Velveeta's pretty good though too. Let me tell you. So when Mike died, you know, you just, you go through a plethora of emotions. Obviously you don't think about eating. And again, God love Trish and Dan. I think I lived on, they would make craft macaroni. And sometimes that's all I wanted. Like I just couldn't, couldn't muster up the energy to eat anything else. And that for some reason sounded good and tasted good. It's a pretty good so thing they literally go to Costco and get the big box of all the boxes. And when I would go there, there was always, always like 10 boxes of macaroni and cheese. And they're like, we're going to do this and this, but we're making you mac and cheese. And I'm like, okay. I love crap. Me too. A couple pro tips. Uh, you could slice up the hot dog, put it in there. <laughs> yes, you I can. like putting tuna in it. Oh, I've tried not that? tried that. No. Give it a shot. Okay. Add a little protein. I might do it tonight. I know what we're talking about. You add some tuna in there, it's healthy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> now I got a protein. What more do I want? Yeah. <laughs> um, when you're in like an Uber or Lyft. Are you a talker in the back? Oh, um, sometimes yes. There one time in particular, I, I was a really big talker. So Trisha and I were flying to Austin. We were trying to get to Austin, and uh, flew from stormy night. Flew from South Bend to Chicago. Got to Chicago. All the flights were canceled. They couldn't do anything except standby for the next twenty four hours. Didn't have a car. Didn't have our luggage. Didn't have didn't have anything. So couldn't find a rental car place. O'Hare was awful. Like you couldn't even find anybody to talk to to find the rental car counter. (laughs) So we get an Uber like at one o'clock in the morning to bring us all the way back to South Bend. Man. Get in the car. The guy's low tire thing was on. I had it in my head that he was going to fall asleep at the wheel, that he was going to, you know, take us in the middle of a field, leave us for dead, all those things. And so Trish was trying to sleep. And all I keep doing was talking louder louder and louder and she's like what the heck is wrong with you and i'm like i'm trying to keep the uber driver awake because i thought for sure that he was gonna you know so we're trying to get i'm trying to engage him in conversation i'm trying to talk to her as loud as i can so he doesn't go to sleep so oh my gosh we got home it was like four or five o'clock in the morning then they lost our luggage we were trying to find our luggage and so so i would say it it's circumstantial if i feel the need to talk to the uber driver because i'm afraid he's gonna fall asleep at the wheel i'll talk to him how how did he take that he was going from Chicago to South Bend? Well, it was I'm sure it was a paid, you know what I mean? Enough got, to pay for there and back. Probably. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Now and I don't know if he picked anybody up, you know, ideally. Seems unlikely, but at yeah. four o'clock in the morning. You don't know. There might have been somebody that was inebriated and I'd go hang out by the South Shore meal. You want to get there a little quicker? <laughs> That's right. How long does it take you to decide what to wear in the morning? You know, I'm I'm working much better at trying to decide what I want to wear today, tonight. Or today, tomorrow, I try to tonight. Do that. And I'm good on like Monday, maybe yeah. Tuesday, then I trail off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I listened to, um, this is what I really need to do. I listened to Believe It. Um, it's Jamie uh, Lima Kern's book from mm-hmm. It Cosmetics. And when they were in the midst of doing all the things with their, um, their cosmetic company, she said, I literally went out and bought 20 pair of black pants and 20 shirts. She goes, I did not have the brain power to figure out what to wear in the morning. And so I just knew I grabbed one pair of black pants and one black shirt, and that was it. It just matched. There are times when I think about that, you know, just to take the guesswork out of what it is that I need to wear the next day. Um, So you know there's like a lot of billionaires like that. I know. That wear the same. Yeah. I have like, I probably have eight to 10 black t-shirts and eight to 10 black jeans. Yeah. And in the winter, I 
jeans, boot, shirt, black, 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 you're good to go. That's right. But like uh, Chris Saka, he's on Shark Tank sometimes. He always yeah. wears the Western shirt yes. and jeans. Zuckerberg's another one I think wears pretty much the same thing every well, day. Steve, um, Steve Jobs wore Steve the same Jobs, thing every day. Steve Jobs, he wore blue jeans and a black turtleneck. And their, their rationale is it's one less decision I have That's to make. That's right. That's right. So for me, if I set myself up for sex... Success. Success, yeah. <laughs> now we're rolling. <laughs> if I set myself up for success the night before, I'm much better in the morning where I can get out and make sure that I'm, you know, moving and grooving early on. So Yeah, I'm definitely, Sunday night, I, I kill it. Because yeah. I'm all day Sunday. Yeah. And then it's up in the air. After that. <laughs> um, longest car ride you've ever taken? Longest, well, it wasn't, does it have to be in a car? What else we talked? Well, so we took the mobile day spa years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, that counts. Okay, so we drove it to Florida. And you don't go as fast. So it took us three days. So the first day we drove, we had Seth with us, who I think was eight years old at the time. So we drove from South Bend to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Next morning we drove up from Kentucky to Valdosta, Georgia. And then the next morning we got up and had three hours into Orlando because we were at the Orange County Convention Center. And like I said, you just don't go as fast in an RV as you do in a car. Now, the nice thing was it had its own bathroom. Yes. So we yeah. didn't have to make all the stops between Seth and I. Um, but that was probably the longest car ride that we ever had. Are you a, do you say God bless you after people sneeze? I do. Are you an immediate God bless you? Or do you leave room for other people to come in? Maybe no, I'm it. Maybe there are multiple sneezer or you're just right away. Oh, I'm right away. And so, if you sneeze five times, I'll just say God bless you five times. Five times. Absolutely. Yeah. Get after it. <laughs> Worst types of people on a plane. Um, Worst types of people. Do you mind when people recline into you? Um, let me just say what I try and do is uh, in all those circumstances, I try and give grace with the hopes that if I become that person, that they give me grace. What if their shoes are off? Bare feet. Well, that's okay as long as they stay on their side of the seat. Really? Yeah. And then reclining into you, you try to just let go? I just try How to let go. How are you with uh, babies behind you? Oh, that's fine. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? At some point in time, my son was that baby. And, and you know, and yeah. I try and, I think when, when Seth was little and we were traveling with him and if he would get upset, I was very conscientious of that. And so I, I didn't want to disturb other people around me. And so I feel like one of the best things that I can do is to that mother or that father is just say, it's okay. We've all got kids. It happens. You can only do so much. You know, the, the baby's ears are no probably... canceling headphones. Yeah, that's right. There's no <laughs> canceling headphones for me. But also just to be able to say, you know what, I I understand. So You're granted <laughs> the ability to time travel and visit your past self. Oh. You are only allowed to speak 10 words to your past self. What year do you go to? What do you say? You know, I think that I would, um, I would go back to the day that Mike was diagnosed with his disease, and I, I would tell myself to not take things so seriously, and and just en enjoy. I don't want to say enjoy the ride, but but just have fun and just and take that. Just take it one and step at a time. Cherish the time. Yep. Yep. That's right. And and not and not even learn the lessons along the way instead of fighting them. Mm -hmm. 
because I think that, you know, we were a very young married couple. He didn't get diagnosed until three years after we were married. So we had those first three years of being, you know, the newlyweds and all the fun and you get up and go to breakfast at three o'clock in the morning because you can, you don't have any responsibilities or kids. And then three years into it, like your life changes. Mm -hmm. And for 20 years then, you know, it was filled with doctor's appointments and emergency room visits and hospital stays. And, you know, I got angry because that's not what my life was supposed to be. And I wish that I just would have embraced it, right? There's the one thing that I will say is that I never questioned my my love for Mike or my relationship with Mike. Like he was the person I was supposed to be with. And so God knew that I would be a widow at 50. And so if I question that, then I have to question was Mike the one I was supposed to be mm -hmm. with? Was I supposed to be married to him for 23 years? All those things. And so I wish that I would have had a stronger faith back then just to accept what was coming and not be angry. Just take it all in, find ways to make the memories, even though things weren't the way we were. I mean, his last Christmas and Thanksgiving we spent at the hospital. And so I wish that I would have done more at just being able to to take all of that in um, and, and just... I guess that's it. Just cherish what it was for what it was and not looking at what it wasn't, you know, not don't look Trying at the to life. Keep eyes happen. open rather yeah, than, that's right. you know, that and I think that's good advice pretty much. And whenever you go through a darker time in life or a more, uh, I guess, challenging time in life, keeping eyes open. And cause I mean, at some point it's going to be a lesson learned or it's going to be a memory that even if it doesn't seem like it's a memory that will be cherished now, that's right. Years from now, it could be. That's right. Now to end with the last question, that's um, maybe just a touch less serious. Who would win a fight between a Navy SEAL with a toddler's brain or a toddler with a Navy SEAL's brain? A toddler with a Navy SEAL's brain. Wow, I think that's the quickest anyone has ever answered that. Yeah. So you're you know taking why? a toddler. Yeah, you know why? Because the toddler, even though they've got a Navy SEAL's brain, there's no fear. They don't have that. They don't. They just don't fear. I, I think. I think Navy SEAL brain is the way to go. Yeah. I mean, just no out, matter what. outsmart people. Yeah, that's right. I think that's a way. Well, let's do, um, before we let you get out of here, plug away. I mean, website, social media, your stuff. Like, people want to learn more. People want to nominate. They want to get involved. Where can they do so? So our website is hellogorgeous.org. On there, you'll find free resources. You'll find our blog. You'll find our podcast. So I have a podcast, too called um, Hello Gorgeous, Everything Beauty, Cancer, and Inspiration. And so if you haven't subscribed to that, we get um, all kinds of individuals that are on there, lots of survivors, doctors that are talking about, you know, new um, new different sources of treatments and those kind of things that are on there. So make sure you look at that. We're on all the social media channels. So we've got Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We're, we, we're on Twitter. We dabble in that. And uh, we've got a mobile app. So if you go to the app store, you can actually download the Hello Gorgeous mobile app. Awesome. Kim, thank you for your time. This was awesome. I'm sure you're going to know everybody on the way out as well. Um, I just need to do the Miss America yeah, Princess yeah. life as I got to walk through there. Thank you so much for this your time. This was a blast. Thank this you for great. having me. Always love to talk about good causes too. Thank you. Oh, thank you. This is awesome. Know, first it might seem like a lot, but they all play and they roll with that on anything that I got. And all I care about is my city, man. I can't say it enough. I done heard things about y'all that they can't say about us. I just hold it down for my side. I just hold it down for my set. I give everybody a piece of this and I make do this has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast.